is the Trivium Dad Podcast. My name is Nick, and welcome. Dearest listeners, I'm here to ask for your support, not your financial support. It would be great if you could donate. It would help support the Trivium Dad podcast and Upward Enrichment Service. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, then leave a review because it will help other people find the show. And two, tell a friend about the show. Or better yet, tell a whole bunch of friends. Thank you. This program may contain strong languages and topics that might not be suitable for all listeners. Welcome to the Trivium Dad Podcast. My name is Nicholas Jones, and tonight I'm going to talk about divorce, cohabitation, and family impact. And I've been, you know, over the last month or so, just thinking about, you know, when it comes to single parents, marriage divorce, birth rates, trying to just figure out how that impacts society. And I'm still giving it some thought. I don't know if I'm going to come to any conclusions. It wouldn't be supported, you know, more so than my speculation. But I feel that all the trends are kind of illustrating that it's going to be hard for children to make an impact in the society if we don't all come together, because it seems that the resources are there there for our children. Do people know how to access the resource? If there is income inequality, the rich are going to have many different paths to explore versus uh, regular folks like me and you who have to struggle to and nail to make sure that our children have the best opportunities possible. Tonight, I want to look at divorce, uh, cohabitation, and the family impact. I believe now the data sources that I looked at, the research papers in particular, the data is kind of unreliable because it kind of states that the divorce rate has been going down. But then when you track uh, how they're calculating the data, and there was an article written by Kennedy and Roggins, and the name of the article is Breaking Up is Hard to Count the Rise of Divorce in the United States, 1980 to 2010. They go into looking at how the data is developed when it comes to the vital statistic system the current population survey, the survey of income and program participations, and the American community surveys, they argue that there is a deterioration in the statistical system, creating uncertainty about the trend over the past three decades. From their research, when they look at the vital records, and I'm not going to go in depth based on all of the data because it's boring to read all of that stuff. The vital records is probably the most important uh, data source. And over the past 145 years, divorce records or divorce decrees was really how you would calculate the trends in divorce. And in the late 1800s, Carol Wright, the U.S. Commissioner of Labor, wrote statistics were practically complete in which they were compiling the statistics using special agents going through the public 
court records and transcribing details of each divorce case. Then the U.S. Census Bureau 1908 conducted a similar survey covering the period 1887 to 1906. And then for the next 50 years, funding for collection of divorce records were inaccurate, gathered data sporadically from 1907 until 1940. And the word sporadic kind of tells you that they they did the best they can, but they probably didn't have the funding for it. Then after World War II, it shift from the Commissioner of Labor to uh, the National Office of Vital Statistics located in the Public Health Service. But then funding started to uh, be taken away uh, and shift to other objectives. It was hard to tell or to track the divorce rate uh, after that. Then you have the other surveys that I mentioned. And as these researchers was looking at all of the data trying to connect it, they concluded that the divorce rates were going up and it stabilized Not going up dramatically, but it was a slight increase. With people getting divorced, it causes a lot of problems. If you're a woman, most likely to not, that you're going to get custody of your children. Having to take care of your children, usually your ex-husband will pay child support, alimony, and you needed to use that money, and you need to use that money to try to take care of your, your household. What happens is now you're losing income. A shared income pool. There's two people burning home a paycheck. Uh, also, you're losing the economy of scales. You share the cost across the board. So not only do you not have the same income coming in monthly, you're gonna have to pay all of the bills. And if you're the if you're the man now, you're gonna have to live in an apartment, uh, trying to figure out how you're gonna cover child support and alimony based on your paycheck and now having to cover our rent. So it kind of sucks for everybody that's involved because it's it's a dramatic shift in what you're accustomed to, you know, due to the differences that you were having in your marriage. It's causing turmoil probably in the household. You have gatherings, birthday parties, graduations. It just becomes awkward if you're remarried, then you're bringing a new person into your situation and they have either a new stepmother or a stepfather. From what I could tell, the research supports women. You know, it becomes that they're disproportionately affected when it comes to divorce due to the fact that they're not able to work because now they got to take care of all the children. They're the ones that are sacrificing when it comes to their education or their careers because they're pretty much locked in to, you know, put in their children first. So if you're a man and you're wondering why you're paying child support and alimony, why is it so disproportionately unfair to you? It's because the research that's out there does not favor men at all because men are the high earners. They're the ones that uh, recover better after divorce. Most likely than not, a man is going to get remarried. It's really when you have children, is you sacrifice a lot. Your time, your money, yourself. So to all the men out there, when you're wondering why that percentage when you're talking to your lawyer is a certain way and why it doesn't seem fair in a world that, you know, women want to be equal to men, um, equality for all. Well, not in this case. Divorce is highly skewed to the advantage of women. And then the research uh, looks 
And again, when it comes to mental health, it's more focused on women than it is for men. And again, this is my opinion. It shows, it talks about, and these are a couple of papers I read. You know, it looks at women and their emotional well-being, their financial well-being. It looks at depression and anxiety. But I really couldn't find anything to any type of degree when it comes to uh, men other than, you know, them being accountable for child maintenance payments, trying to be a part of their child's lives. Because again, custody is probably 100% going to the woman. That's from what I've seen. I'm talking to many different people in my life. It would have to be some kind of crazy situation in which a man gets custody, something to the extreme. And what the statistics is showing that in the 1980s and the 1990s, people that are getting divorced are 40 years and over, more common than not. There's a decline in divorce for people 25 and under. And that kind of makes sense because uh, young people are realizing that you know, why should I get married? I want to continue my education. I want to start my career, especially women that are more career focused now, men that really don't see a need to get married because that's what people are trying to figure out. Like what's the value of getting married to be locked into a situation that could cause resentment and unhappiness to constantly compromise. And especially when you bring in children, it takes away from every aspirations that you're trying to achieve because again children they take up a lot of time effort and money so the choices the options are stay single get married co-parent or cohabit in which you know once upon a time if you you're a guy and you like the girl girl that you like the guy you get an apartment and you would move in you would see if you could work it out that's when you started to learn more about the other person. Things that you couldn't see when you're living separately. That was pretty much what you would use to decide, oh, do I want to get married or do I want to get out of this relationship? People are now determining, why don't we just continue to live together? There's no need to get married. This is working out perfectly fine. You could have joint bank accounts. Again, you'll take care of each other. When it comes to the day-to-day responsibilities and expense, and there's no um, concrete relationship or you don't need to exit because, again, you're not married. But again, getting married does have a lot of benefits. I recommend you listen to my previous podcast in which I kind of went in uh, deep to talk about the benefits of getting married and the financial impact it has. But it's, it's now a society in which people pretend they're married and they're not. They'll buy the wedding ring and they'll put it on. They will have the, you know, the impression because it's the impression that counts. You know, you don't want to look a certain way. You want to be favorable when you go to um, work or uh, social events, etc. It's just to make it seem like something that it's not because you don't want to be judged. It's really that, you know, society expects you to get married. Society expects you to have children. I can't tell you enough. There's, you know, people I know that they're in their 40s. They don't have any children. They've been a couple for a long time, a happy couple. All the time, people ask them, why don't you have children? They prefer to be dinks. Double income, no kids. Again, 
you live your life, you go on vacations, you use your money to buy whatever you need to make your life enjoyable and happy. Some people don't want children. But when you're a single parent or you're living together with a partner, maybe that partner is not you know, as involved, you come to you come to figure out what you need to do. But you have these children that's going to be the future of the economy. They're going to go into the workforce. They're going to contribute to the social security, some social service systems. But then again, if marriages is going up, divorce rate is going up slightly or is stabilizing. Hurt rates are going down. Uh, you know, over 40% of the U.S. is not even married by the age of 30. I heard a statistic. I don't know how true it is, but if you're 25 and under and you're a man, most likely to not that you're a virgin because you don't want to get into any kind of situation. And it could be that you don't know how to approach women or nobody trained you. Perhaps you came from a single parent household. You never had a man in your life to show you what it took to be desirable for a woman. There's a whole cycle that's attached to us. And when it comes to being a man, again, another podcast that I made, because I think when it comes to everything that I read, it's kind of heavily focused on the woman, not so much for men. Of course, I'm going to be biased. This is how I feel. But I believe it's very important to have a man in a child's life. And I don't mean a man that acts like a woman. I mean a man that acts like a man. No nonsense. You know, they're serious. They don't talk too much, but they're not afraid to say, to disagree with what's happening, and to raise their voice and let it be known that this is wrong. They're not afraid of being wrong. As long as they show that they have the courage to step up and do something. I believe having a man in a kid's life is very important. And if you're a single parent, and if you have you know, strong men in your life. That's something that you should tap into. Again, you have you have programs in your community, youth centers, YMCAs, enrichment programs, which there are role models out there to help mentor and to provide examples. Examples simple of how to tie a tie or how to have table etiquette or how to talk to people with respect. The divorce rate is something that is, you know, kind of shows that certain societies, certain neighborhoods, certain zip codes have a disproportional rate of people that are in single parent households. And that impacts the community because if you're not making money and you're not paying the taxes, how could your community build and grow? If your community income is is low, you're probably don't have access to resources, you know, you would have access to in areas with higher income. So we got to make sure that we we put, you know, we shine a light on this situation and we understand that there is inequality in this world and that we got to be in this together. Follow us on social media, UESNYS. Check out the website, UESNYS.com. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Thank you for listening.